Deducted three points due to another podcast's mistakes. Welcome to Hand of the Pod. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Hand the Pod, episode 239. Ooh. Next week, uh, or in ten days' time-ish, nine days' time, we're going to be six years old. Oh. What a special day that will be. Uh, but we're not quite six years old just yet. I'm Sam Kelly, and the voice that you just heard saying, oh, to um, that fascinating statistic that I shot out of him, was Andres Bruckner. Hello. Welcome back, Andres. Thank you. And my O was because I was fancy. I, I fancy uh, uh, going to Parisia to celebrate that uh, important date. So that's well, good. In so do I. That. Yeah, indeed. Uh, no doubt we'll be sorting something along those lines out. Um, before we get started, we shall. Uh, well, actually, no. Let's get started. That, that makes more sense, doesn't it? Before we start talking about the matches, I'll tell you what happened in the matches. That sounds a bit more like what I was aiming for. Um, at the weekend, the following happened. Olimpo beat Atletico Tucumán 2-1 in Bahia Blanca. Patronato beat Banfield 2-0 in Paraná. Tacheres beat Vélez Sarsfield 2-0 in Liniers. So they got a third consecutive win, um, Tacheres, and it was away from home. Boca Juniors beat Tempele 4-0 in La Bombonera. Belgrano and Quilmes drew 0-0 in Córdoba. Independiente and Gimnasia drew 0-0 in uh, Avellaneda. Huracán against Rosario Central ended 1-1 in Parque Patricios. Estudiantes versus Racing finished 2-1 in La Plata. Lanús against Tigre in Lanús finished 1-1. Godoy Cruz beat Aldo CB 3-1 in Mendoza. Newell's Old Boys and San Lorenzo drew 2-2 in Rosario in a very good game indeed. Atletico de Rafaela um, lost 2-0 at home to Colón. Arsenal and River drew 2-2 in Sarandí. Defensi Justicia and San Martín de San Juan drew 0-0 in Florencio Barrela. Oh no, in Sarandí, sorry. They weren't playing in Florencio Barrela for some reason. Oh. Missed that. Um, and Unión and Sarmiento closed out the inverted commas, weekend on Monday night in Santa Fe with a 1-0 win for Union. Um, Andres, how much of it did you manage to catch? Well, of course, I, I always uh, have time to catch River uh, matches um, and then a few uh, parts of uh, Estudiantes Racing and Independiente Gimnasia also. So, uh, mostly the big five. Not San Lorenzo, um, in that case, but uh, most of the of the big big teams mm. matches few goals were I noticed. Few, you mean? Yes, uh, uh, not uh, yes, many. Uh, very, very, yes, few, few goals. Yeah, interestingly, the, the the big five for the most part, with the exception of Independiente, were all um, fairly high scoring. But elsewhere in the weekend, there weren't sort of loads and loads of them going in. You're quite right. Um, 
we might as well start with River, even though they were the last of the big five to play, because I suppose if nothing else, we can get it over with then, and then we don't yeah. have to talk about them again. Uh, we say this every week, but they can't defend, and they still can't defend, um, and they keep shooting themselves in the foot. Arsenal are the worst team in the league by quite some distance. Uh, they have got three points from their opening eight matches. All three of those matches have been draws. Uh, they haven't managed to win any. Um, and the most recent of them came on Sunday night against River after River went 2-0 up very early in the second half. Um, yes, oh yeah, of course, Gonzalo Martinez with a fantastic goal. Both in the first and the second were the, the goals from River. Yes, yeah, yeah. So Driussi scored after about half an hour um, and Martinez scored uh, with a really nice chipped finish from the edge of the box um, three minutes into the second half and it all looked like it was going swimmingly. And then... We didn't even get to see really what happened, or at least not live, because the TV was still showing the replays of the um, the goal. I've since spoken to a couple of Hand of Pod listeners, hello Chris and Brett, who are in town at the moment, going to as many games as they can, and they were in the stands and they didn't see what happened either. Me neither couldn't watch clearly what happened with Montiel. The there, there was a, a shirt pull, um, or a, a clipped ankle or something, which was his second booking. Uh, so this young um, centre-back, Gabriel Montiel? Gonzalo. Gonzalo Montiel, thank you. Um, who was uh, filling in for the injured? I think Maidani. injured, isn't he? Yeah, Jonathan Maidani wasn't suspended. Um, it was sent off, like in playing terms, about thirty seconds after the restart from uh, Gonzalo Martinez's goal, putting River down to ten men. Leonardo Poncio moved to centre back, um, and River sort of fell apart from there. Really, and two goals. Five minutes apart, 63 minutes and 68 minutes from Joaquin Bojosian and Jonathan Bottinelli um, meant that Arsenal could claim a point. Yes, and, and uh, it was like a, a something very easy to, to see in terms of, of how River defends um, with players that look for the ball and they look only the ball, not the man. Uh, which is something like the ABC of a, of a defender. You don't have to uh, the, is, there is one thing you you don't have to do is to watch the watch the ball to look for the look at the ball and and, and not the man that is uh, ready to to well try to convert and to to score uh, that was uh, just what for, for example arturo mina did which mm. at this point we can say by far and i think i think you have already uh, said this uh, he's good physically but uh, has several problems in marking Sometimes he, if, if, he, if he doesn't anticipate the ball, I mean the the cuts the the uh, the attack which he did in several times. Uh, when he has to mark with the, the the man already having the ball, it is very difficult for him. He's he's essentially looking very very similar to what Tim Vickery uh, always saw in Ramiro Funes Mori. Um, with the sort of difference that when Ramiro Funes Mori was in the River team, it didn't seem to harm River's defence too much, whereas Mina yes. seems to be doing a lot more damage. Um, so whilst, uh, obviously, as, as Tim, in fact, this time last year came on uh, our podcast and, and we discussed it a little bit, we've always had quite a good-natured disagreement with him as to Ramiro Funes Mori's qualities. Maybe less always, I don't think quite so much now. I think he's coming round to... What about... We're coming round to his way of thinking. But in, in terms of Mina, if... You, if uh, those of you who listen to World Football Phone and listen to what Tim says um, about Funef Mori, then uh, basically you can apply that to, to what I think about Abdul Romina. But that's a good point uh, to to say that 
when when Ramiro Fonsimoni was in the back, he didn't have a lot of work to do. Uh, and this is that's a good point because uh, the less you have to defend, the less you chances you have to to do things wrong. Mm. In terms of the of a defender, if you have to participate, the more you have to participate, the more uh, mistake rate you will have. In in terms of the possibility to to uh, to make a mistake, uh, and this is what happens with River right now. It's that's a problem, a, a lack of balance between the attack and the defense. Of course, if it, it, it was clear, uh, and it, not only because uh, the other day that uh, you see, uh, well now Alari is a bit uh, low in terms of performance, but uh, you see the other day with was Martinez or or Tomas Andrade or well they have. Uh, in this case, Nacho Fernandez wasn't uh, there because of an injury also. <coughs> but... It's Joaquin Azura, Azura alongside Poncio. Azura and Poncio, and when Montiel was uh, sent off, uh, Domingo came into the match and yeah, Poncio okay. went to the to the back again, which is not the best thing to do, but, well, there was no option. Mm. Um, uh, there is a, a lack of balance between the, the attack and the defence, which means that uh, uh, attacking River can be very dangerous, and can suffer a lot uh, the, uh, in the other hand when uh, the other team attacks. Even mm. when it's Arsenal, which is a, a poor team, you, you have already described it. Um, but the the ten men, uh, the the one less man than the Arsenal, was very difficult for River. Even though that sometimes it's the other way. Sometimes when you have ten men, Play better than when you had eleven. Sometimes it, it happens like that, and in this case it wasn't that. Yeah. Uh, uh, in this case, River was very, very uh, in their side, and the Arsenal, of course, took advantage of it, of it with poor defending. You, it's uh, repeatedly. Uh, we I, I will repeat this a lot of times, but it's the way River defends poor, in a poor way. Indeed, it is, um, and they've lost that killer ruthless instinct at least in away matches um, that, that used to see them finishing closing out games like that fairly easily um, yes Gallardo said also uh, that is something and he admit this, admitted this uh, that is something also mental that they can't uh, finish the matches when they have the opportunity to do it because against uh, I, I, now I don't oh yes, against Patronato now I remember mm. it was similar situation they lost that match but the the very the first half was perfect, not perfect because the 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 match they couldn't uh, translate into goals the 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 better performance than the rival. But uh, it was very good for the way they yeah, played. They, they were playing and well, they couldn't. The lead yes. and, yeah. uh, in this case, it was the same because you if you watch the first half, especially. Uh, after the goal of uh, the goal that uh, make that scored uh, Drusi, uh, it was like a monologue from River. Mm. But uh, in the end, they they can't finish uh, finish up the games and and like Ashardo, well, if the coach admits uh, admits it, it means uh, well, uh, you can't uh, deny that that uh, they are having problems uh, with their mentality that they can't uh, finish the games and. Uh, well, uh, perhaps it's something that has to do with the idea that Gallardo wants to apply, uh, that they, 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 uh, he doesn't have the players uh, in order mm. to do that, uh, like they that like he had with uh, 
uh, when they win, they won the five titles, international titles. Uh, it's different team, different players, and the idea is the same. And when you have to sometimes to uh, to adjust the idea to the players you have, uh, perhaps Cachardo is having problems with that uh, uh, concept of having players to do something and try to do something that you can't with that players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one team who are looking significantly more lethal and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Clinical, or at least did at the weekend because they were at home, uh, was Boca Juniors, who got a 4-0 win over Tempele. Um, thanks to two early goals, Gino Peruzzi and Christian Pavon in the 8th and 10th minutes, and then um, an own goal from Gaston Aguirre um, before Walter Bow wrapped things up and put the cherry on top of the cake um, in the second half they looked happy I mean they always do at La Bombonera um, it's a temporary week perhaps rival for the Bombonera uh, Boca as a home same same like River River and Boca are suffering same are, are like the same uh, average in terms of home condition and away mm. they can't win in a way uh, condition and at home even when River the, the last match wasn't brilliant uh, and only winning 1-0 because of a goal that defy uh, kicked in the in the players that were covering a free kick uh, and with no pleasure game uh, in terms of play um, they, they win home condition and they can't do it uh, away it's I don't, I don't know the matches or the amount of matches, but uh, uh, it's significant. It's uh, River got a 1-0 win against Tacheres on the second um, round of this season, and since then it's been three away games. I've just checked while you were talking, uh, without a win for them. And in Boca's case, it's somewhat longer. It's uh, 11, I think I said on the last podcast, and I, in all competitions, including the, the Libertadores um, quarterfinal and semifinal away legs. Um of course, Boca do uh, have a slightly better um, run on neutral territory rather than away territory, um, because in the Copa Argentina they're playing in the quarterfinal just after we record this tonight, so you can um, hear what the score of that is against Rosario Central after the full-time music on Handapod, as you will also hear the result of... Um, San Lorenzo against... Chapicoins. Thank you, Chapecoins, um, in Bajo Flores, uh, which is the first leg of the Copa Sudamericana semi-final. Um, but Boca, on Sunday, looked very happy. You know, we're, we're, Optimistic, we're, strong. We're, we're alternating each week when we talk about Boca, because in La Bombonera, um, and it, you know, it helps that they've had um, a fairly kind fixture list in terms of particularly they've played at home so far. In La Bombonera, they look in, in full flow. They look like a, a decent team, not entirely without problems, but you know, by and large, their strengths outweigh the weaknesses. And then they go away from home and everything falls to pieces. But on Sunday, they were good. They were attacking with width. They were attacking with pace and direction. Um, Couldn't catch a lot of that much, but as the, the, the little part I, I, I could, uh, it looked like Temporary tried to fight the match right up in the in the in the field, and that is something like a suicide for for a team like them. Yeah. Like it, uh, sometimes you criticize or or the team that can't score because the other their rivals 
are are well uh, on their back and can't uh, and that team can't uh, enter into the box. That oh well that they were pretty pretty on their back on their side and we couldn't get into the box. But in this case, if Temple did that, <coughs> that was the uh, the what per permits Boca uh, be easily um, to score easily because they had spaces. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. Um, they're pushing Boca high up, and obviously the way that Boca play in La Bombonera era um, and the intensity that, that that Boca themselves try to close opponents down with it, it did look a lot like suicide. Um, there's also been more bad news for Tempele since that game uh, because the president, Hernan Lewin, um, has resigned due to threats from the Tempele Barra Brava. Um, so again, we, we mention this every time we bring up something like this on, on Hand Pod, but next time somebody tells you that uh, the Barras are just really passionate fans and so on, uh, it's not true. They managed to get a club president kicked out um, on Tuesday night. Um, he said that he thought about it for several days, he talked to people who were close to him, um, and he'd come to the conclusion that uh, the situation at the club was just he wasn't able to do anything about it. He's received numerous threats, apparently, from the Barra, um, largely because of the fact that he was refusing to do business with them and um, and, 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 and and trying to get them out of the club. Um, and, well, we have another victim, essentially, of, yes. of uh, it, that kind of, of thing. Of course, reminds this case, it's, it's, even when it's a small club, reminds the position of, of Cantero. Mm. Javier Cantero from Independiente, who... Uh, also tried to fight the Barras and he was alone. Uh, we watched him fight against Pebote Alvarez, uh, the one one of the chiefs of the Barra, completely alone because none of the other uh, world members of the other clubs uh, were with him in order to try to solve the problem, which meant that they are they were in favor or or they can't or they don't want to do anything against them against them and this proves another uh, this is another proof of, of that because uh, you are f uh, trying to do something against violence and what you what you do is to resign because you can't stand uh, because you can't uh, be so risky of, of, of uh, have your family in danger because of course barras know where you live uh, they that's something that for sure might have told him we know where you live. We know your wife. We know your children, uh, and it's hard for 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 the human part of the uh, of the president. And it's perhaps uh, from outside the, this this case, you can say he's weak, he's coward. But uh, uh, the problem is that no one no one helps. And yeah, situation and is same in 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 every club. If the president wants to fight and doesn't want to give them money or to uh, make them uh, have do business with the club, uh, this is the result. And this has come a week or two after um, a measure that we didn't really mention last week um, because it just there didn't seem much point in mentioning it because it was clearly nonsense. But I'm going to mention it now because this underlines what nonsense it is um, of the government bringing out a bunch of punishments and, and saying we're going to try and put Barras in prison for you know six years for this thing seven years for that thing ten years for this and the sentence gets doubled if they've got a gun in a stadium 
Um, and it pretty much gets laughed off because no judge is is happy to do this. This is a while you were talking just now, Andres. I was I was reading a couple of quotes on um, Lewin's exit from Tempere from Juan Manuel Lugones, who is the executive secretary of Apremide, which uh, very long term listeners will know as uh, what were they called before? The Buenos Aires um, security force. Yes whose name I can't remember, old name I can't remember, but they're now called Apribide anyway. Um, and this guy, um, Lugones, was saying that uh, there's a revolving door in the courts when it comes to the Padres, that uh, the, polit- the politicians say things about how they want to stamp them out, but what we need is justice and that they don't... Um, justice so as not to allow the, the directors who are trying to fight against the Padres to sort of lose their... Um, faith in, in, in the fight um, and, and so on and you know to, to put security forces on club directors to to protect them if they're under threats like Lewin is um, and so on um, because at the moment the judges are all afraid to do anything about them as well yes that about the revolving door was uh, in fact uh, uh, the other day mm. on Sunday it was the Tigre and Chicago Barras uh, pr- uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they, there was a riot between Tigre, Tigre fans and obviously the Barra travelled to Lanús because they were away fans at Lanús v Tigre. Um, and Chicago were played the home, I don't remember, against who. Yeah. But uh, they, they, uh, cr- they, they crashed or they faced one, one, one each other in, in the Avenida General Paz Avenue, which is the avenue that divides uh, the capital city, the Buenos Aires uh, city to the province and they they fi- found one each other uh, there and there was a disaster with stones with uh, uh, I don't know, they threw things one each other and uh, I don't remember the amount of, of, of barras that were in prison but they were at the well, prison is a way of, of saying but uh, For a couple of hours or, yeah. or something like that, and of course, in that case, the revolving door was uh, was there. Yeah, um, absolutely, and, and that's uh, another thank you for mentioning that as well because I completely forgotten about that. But it's right that we bring that up as well. Um, so as we always say, next time somebody tells you these are passionate fans, ignore them. I got that. And the I remember uh, English Dan, one of the uh, episodes that we record recorded at his living room. Uh, mentioning Jaimito or Jaime, the one of the Racing Barras that were, was in prison for space of 10 years and uh, because of a murder and when he went out of prison they wanted to recover his place on, on the Barras so, so 10 years in prison didn't, was useless were useless for in order for him to say no, now I will be at ease and won't do anything uh, at Racing no, they just wanted to get back to the to the barra. Indeed. Um, we might as well move on to Racing, who lost in La Plata, just as practically everybody else has done this season, at least when they've been playing Estudiantes. They've had slightly better luck against Team Nacia, it's true. Um, 2-1 in another really, really good game. Uh, it was, in fact, I, I touted it in my bubble weekend preview as being my reward for having sat through the previous six hours of football, because it was the last game in a day that was largely fairly underwhelming um, and that's pretty much how it turned out to be it was really entertaining um, 
Racing took a 1-0 lead from a very, very nice free kick from Marcos Acuna, just under half an hour in. Um, and just a few minutes later, Lucas Viatri equalised for Estudiantes from a penalty. Um, and then later on, after a very evenly fought and um, sort of on-edge game, which uh, either side, I thought, sort of could have won. Estudiantes were probably slightly better, so I would say overall it was a fair result, but... Um, it, it, it could have gone Racing's way as well. Uh, Javier Toledo got a, a winner in the 89th minute and then in stoppage time with virtually the last touch of the game, Jonathan Schunke got sort of flipped round whilst going up for a header and um, the ball hit his hand. I don't know whether it was handball or not. It was one of those which makes me very glad I'm not a referee. Um, he could have worded it and it would have been OK. Exactly, yeah. yes. Um, as it was, the penalty was not given and Racing were obviously very upset with this. Uh, and Estudiantes got a 2-1 win, which makes me wonder whether they've got the luck of champions now as well. Yes, could be. And, and the play before the goal was also polemic because it wasn't a foul, but Racing, or at least Gaston uh, uh, Diaz, the one who uh, lost, lost the ball against uh, uh, I, it was the Chilean striker, Vargas, I think. Mm. Uh, Vargas robbed the ball to, to Gaston Diaz and Gaston Diaz thought or he wanted for uh, the referee to, to award a, a foul uh, because it was near the line and apparently Vargas uh, sort of pushed him mm. and after that it was the cross from Vargas for, for Toledo to, to score um, and of course Racing after that play and the, uh, the penalty that uh, the referee didn't award uh, were thinking that they are yes that they ball that the referee uh, it was responsible for the result and and the things that you always protest when you think uh, well that it would, would have been penalty and and the and the foul from the other play but I think it, the penalty was clear penalty but the foul wasn't uh, from the estudiantes guy from Vargas indeed um I would say, yeah, by a large, I would agree with what uh, you have just said, Andres. And as I said, I very much enjoyed the game after some largely fairly dull matches beforehand, one of which was another big 5-1, and it was Independiente's 0-0 draw against Gimnasia. We were hoping that we were going to have Peter here with us um, today, but he has uh, been kept back slightly later than expected at work, and so he wasn't able to make it in the end, um, which is a bit of a shame, and in a, the same way, not, because... Independiente de Gimnasia looked like quite a dull game to start with, and that was exactly what it ended up being. Um, so I'm not really sure whether Peter but could have had it very much. I think Independiente deserved the winning. The Just win. on this game, by the way. I mean, yes. I'm not, you know, uh, I wouldn't like to cast aspersions on Peter's uh, reading of the rest of the league, which is superb, obviously. Carry on, Andres. I, I don't want to say, well, I will say it, but uh, Peter was about to come and he didn't come. Uh, I don't know if this has to do, but Independiente uh, uh, suffered from a lack of accuracy in, into the net because they deserve by large to the win and the, the nearest opportunity they had they had to, to score was a very good header from Dennis mm. from a cross a shot by by Vera I think that hit the post um, and Gimnasia was so so bad in, in their back that Alfaro this is something that doesn't uh, happen very often Apologized to 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 Milito because he said, uh, "Well, uh, I beg your pardon, but th that was the match I I could I could do." Mm. 
Uh, I think you have a good team and you will be the candidate for the title. But well, uh, he he apologized because the team was so so uh, so in their back that, of course, this that is a, the the situation I mentioned that the team that is so uh, in the in, in their side that the other one can't uh, uh, have clear options to to score. Well, that was one of the cases. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, plus obviously. Independiente haven't scored a hell of a lot of goals. They've only got seven goals in eight games, which is, uh, I'm just realising now, the same number that Arsenal have um, scored. <laughs> Independiente are sixth, Arsenal are 30th, but uh, the defence is rather better. Independiente have conceded four and Arsenal have let in 18. Um, but Gimnasia themselves have scored even fewer. They've only scored six and, and conceded four as well. So, I mean, precisely what, what uh, Alfaro himself admitted afterwards, you know, Gimnasia couldn't really hope to um, get very much from that match apart from a nil-nil, um, which is precisely why I said it was going to be a fairly dull game. I mean, just looking at those goal, goal totals, you already know that it's not going to be particularly exciting, I think, in advance. Uh, the remaining big five side are, oh, they're San Lorenzo, of course, who were involved in a considerably more entertaining game, or rather most of their reserves were, um, away to Newell's old boys who of course are also title hopefuls um, or perhaps oh no it's too far too early to really rule them out now because of course we have a 30 round um, season Newell's are still second after that 2-2 draw um, which saw um, Mauro Formica open the scoring for Newell's about a minute before Gonzalo Bergesio um, equalised for San Lorenzo and then shortly before half time Maxi Rodriguez put Newell's 2-1 up Paolo Diaz the Uruguayan got a header from a corner Uruguayan um, or Chilean? I'm sure somebody said he was Uruguayan during the game let's have a look for him because he's Paolo not Pablo which makes me Paolo, think he yes. sounds Uruguayan because uh, they're a bit Spanish uh, Portuguese yes. sometimes in their names Paolo Diaz is oh he's Chilean look at that well done yeah. Well done, Andres. So Paolo Diaz, the Chilean, uh, got a header from a corner late on in that game. Um, but it was really, really, really good stuff. It was, a, as I say, a largely second-string team from San Lorenzo. Um, outfield, obviously, well, Nicolas Navarro in goal, who is first choice uh, in the absence of uh, Sebastián Torrico at the moment, who's injured, I think, isn't he? Was any move? Or he was preserved in order to play Sudamericana. I don't... It's one of the two, yeah. He was either injured or he was or he was rested. Um, but then outfield, it was uh, Paolo Diaz, Nicolas Salazar, with two Zs, Marcos Senesi, Lautaro Montosha, Rodrigo de Ciancio. Very something team. Indeed. Ezequiel Cerruti, who was, who was in, having missed a few games, and it's sort of largely, I mean, he's playing frequently a bit off the bench more than anything. Fernando Melucci, who, who's a regular, of course, and then Tino Costa, um, Bautista Merlini who's, who's the young kid who some of you might have uh, heard some things about who, who looks very exciting and Gonzalo Bergesio um, so all of the sort of or nearly all with the exception of Bellucci um, of the sort of regular starters for San Lorenzo um, were rested in advance of tonight's Sudamericana game but it didn't stop them from managing to rescue a point from Rosario against the Newell's side who are in very good form without any major changes Personnel-wise, from the squad that did awfully last season, um, I mean last yes. season dur- during the transition, during during the half season at the start of the year, um, they're now fighting for the title, and I think very much installed in that race. Uh, four points behind Estudiantes. Estudiantes have twenty-two points, and Newell's have eighteen. 
those are the only two unbeaten sides in the league. And they, they were near, and they were near to be at two points of distance because uh, yep. the Paulo Diaz, the equalizer, uh, was uh, eighty-six, ninety-seventh minute. Yes. Yeah. Um, they've got the joint second best defenses in the country. Only Colón have conceded fewer goals. They've, they've let in three in eight uh, games. And there was um, a, there was a funny situation in the in the press conference uh, with Diego Sela, the the news manager. Mm. Because there were journalists that asked that asked uh, Osela, uh, "What is what's what's uh, this this news uh, in in terms of uh, the goals of the for the season or for the or for the tournament?" Uh, and Osela uh, uh, answered that he's uh, looking for the next match, and the, which is the the normal uh, declaration of any coach that they don't think uh, what are they. For but uh, for uh, they are thinking for the next match, but uh, uh, recently he said it is eight, the eighth match for out of thirty matches. If mm. we if, if uh, there uh, will have fifteen uh, uh, matches in the tournament, would be reasonable to say right now what are we looking for or what are we for? Uh, but uh, we we are twenty two matches to play still and. There were even uh, though there were journalists journalists asking Osela uh, what does he think about this news or what he they will do capable of, of doing and and things like that. Yes, um, indeed, we have completed our roundup of the big five, and also of Niels Nestudiantes already. Um, so next in line, I think, has to be a pat on the back. Although not much of a roundup because it's the one game on Saturday that I didn't sit through uh, for Tacheres, who now have three games, three, three wins in a row after taking five matches to get their first one. Um, so very well done, Tacheres, for that two 0 win away to Vélez Sarsfield. Did you catch any of it? No. Well, the only thing I know is that uh, Vélez is uh, two, not uh, uh, that they will relate, relate, but they are complicated right now. Yeah, they are. Uh, we will mention the relegation standings and the, the title race in full once we've finished the sort of quick roundup. Um, Belgrano going to Quilmes on Saturday, really not very much to say about that at all. Friday's two games, fairly bread and butter, as we said already. Olimpo beating Atletico Tucumán and Patronato getting a home win over Banfield. Although well done, Patronato as well, because I think, like um, Tacheres, that Patronato now have three consecutive wins. Uh, let me just check. When's it going to load? Yes, they do. Um, having picked up their first win of the season in that 2-1 win over River, um, the question then was always going to be, could they, you know, was that them raising their game for the really big match? And are they going to then slip back down again and get in trouble? Or are they going to be able to keep their, their, their performance at that level? And they have done, because since then they got a 1-0 win away to Colón, and now a 2-0 win over Banfield. Um, and these two teams, who took ages took, uh, until the sixth round to win their first game and have now since won three in a row, are meeting this coming weekend, because um, Patronato's next match is away to Tacheres. So maybe just a bit of added spice in that one and um, possibly a more interesting match to watch than uh, than people might think if they're just looking through the fixtures for the, the big team. Yeah, because um, of the teams well. themselves. Yes. Indeed. Uh, and, and the moment that they're in, they're both sort of soaring at the moment and, and have a very sort of good chance, if they can kick on, of, of getting out of relegation trouble. Um, so well done to both of them. Lanús against Tigre. 
was interesting. Good fun. Tigre were in very good form prior to it. Um, and ended up sort of having to settle for 1-1. But also, I thought the Lanús managed to step their performance up a fair bit as well. Com- considering that what we've seen from them so far this season has looked a bit out of sorts and that they haven't been anything like as good as obviously they were last year when they won the t- well earlier this year when they won the title yes, couldn't catch a, a match of all that match but uh, uh, Tigre is like a team it's a strange team it's like sometimes you you think they will be up in the table that they will fight there that they will have a great matches and, and then it's like an irregular regular match a mm. team not a you you don't know you never know what to expect from them. Yeah, um, and having said that, um, that they're soaring, it, it, it's sort of worth mentioning as well. They're on a long unbeaten run. Um, they have not lost in uh, five games, six games, sorry, uh, but four of those five games have been one-one draws. So possibly the one-one um, against Lanús at the weekend wasn't so unpredictable. But um, as I said, I was sort of more than anything came away with the impression that Lanús had actually managed to step their level up a little bit so it's going to be interesting to see how Lanús do at the weekend um, Godoy Cruz uh, victory over Alba Sibi was marked in the main by a wonderful hat-trick from Ecuador international Jaime, Jaime Ayobi who scored uh, two headers the second of which in particular was pretty impressive um, and a bit of a tap-in after playing a 1-2 with a defender um, in between those two all in the second half. Um, it was a very dull first half, and then a really quite entertaining second half. That match, it was it was a bit of a weird game. Sebastian Penko got Aldo Sibi's um, consolation. So well done, Iobi. His first hat trick for Godoy Cruz. Uh, he took the ball. He did, he took three of them. Yes. In, in the post match interview, he was. Uh, they, they asked him whether it was his first match. But he said, "It's my first one since I came to Argentina." haven't managed to score three goals in a game since then, so I'm really happy. And then one of the uh, the ground staff walked over to him and gave him three balls for some reason. That's the first time I've ever seen that happen. He managed to hold them all in his two arms um, and walked off the pitch with them very happy. So well done, Jaime Ayobi, if you're listening. Um, and let's go to Rafaela against Colón was a bit of a sort of... I was expecting it to be a slightly better match than it turned out to be. It was, it was quite dull and Colón somewhat surprisingly given that both of these teams were in fairly good form um, looked like the only one of them who could really be bothered and came away with a 2-0 win um, that was prior yes. to Arsenal v River which we have mentioned already Andres did you catch either of the matches on Monday night I didn't not I couldn't no so we don't have much to we say to imagine that. about Defensive Justicia yes. nil San Martin nil or about Union 1 San Miento nil unfortunately but um I'm not sure that we would have said an awful lot about them if we had called them. I think the defensive justicia uh, match was very typical of them to have uh, chances, to have good play, but uh, uh, at the time of, of defining the the place and, and try to score, that was the default, the, the handicap. Yeah. Um, it is also worth mentioning in this roundup that two managers yesterday were sacked and one left his job. The sat managers were Gabriel Shura of Sarmiento and... Can you remember? Who? Mm. Somebody else. Hang on. Le- the, the one who left his job was Leonardo Madelon of oh. Union. Um, Even the, uh, though they the won, the, he left? Yes, he did. He, he left due to differences with the directors, oh. apparently. They've, they've been arguing for a little while. And the other team, 
who let who sat their manager were oh bloody hell who was it not Sarmiento was it Defensa Justicia Adira Holland oh bloody hell no no it wasn't Defensa Justicia it was somebody else uh, this is wonderful isn't it as we try to remember what I tweeted yesterday well, I'm just going to check my Twitter timeline um, that's probably the easiest way to do it just scroll back a little while um, here we go where is it oh, it might have been on Monday was it on Monday or yesterday oh bloody hell you're listening to uh, the most professional Argentine football podcast on the internet ladies and gents believe it or not it's wonderful stuff this isn't it Aha, uh-huh, yes, okay. It was Aldo Sibi. Fernando Quiros oh, is out of a job as well. Um, following Aldo Sibi's. What was their score again? Uh, <laughs> uh, 3 1 defeat away to Godoy Cruz, which we just talked about a minute ago. Um, so Fernando Quiros and um, Gabriel Schurer of Aldo Sibi and Sarmiento both sacked. Leonardo Madelon of Union has left his job. So if you're planning. Um, any football manager style job appoint, uh, job applications and you fancy a potentially a couple of months given how long a lot of managers get in their jobs uh, down here um, in Argentina then send your CV into one of those clubs and yeah, three teams. get lucky you don't, don't, send it to, don't send your resume to the AFA because you probably won't be hired no, you're better off not sending anything and they might hire you anyway um, but yes uh, that's your your not entirely unrealistic chance of getting a top flight job if any top flight in the world is happy enough to to give jobs out like that it'll be this one with 30 teams in it and now we should talk about how those 30 teams are in the standings we've mentioned the top two in the title race already Estudiantes and Newell's Old Boys on 22 points and 18 points respectively Uh, in third place on goal difference at the moment there are actually four teams um, separated by goal difference um on, all on 15 points and those are in third place Boca Juniors in second place River Plate in fifth sorry in third place Boca Juniors in fourth place River Plate I should have said in fifth place San Lorenzo um, and in sixth place uh, Independiente so four of the big five all bunched in together and in fact the fifth of the big five are the next team down the table because Racing are seventh um, with 14 points and just ahead of Colón on goal difference who are in eighth. Um, so eight points separating the, the top eight teams so far with 22 rounds of matches to go. So it's also very much still up for grabs. The interesting bits, or at least the bits that are possibly worth starting to look at already, though, um, is the relegation table, in which we have a fairly clear bottom two um, already of Atletico de Rafaela and Sarmiento neither of whom have got a point a game um, Atletico de, de Rafaela have got 67 points from 63 games Sarmiento have got 53 points from 54 games um, so both of them are sort of in danger of, of getting cut adrift Tempele however are only one point ahead of um, Sarmiento with 54 points from 54 games so also in trouble and then there's a little bit more of a gap. So Olimpo have uh, just over a point again. Kilnes, a little bit more than that. Arsenal, Huracan, 
Velos, as Andres mentioned earlier, are in trouble, especially as they're not getting the results or even playing particularly well. I think defensive DC are probably in it. And I think we probably have to mention um, Elba CB as well, given that they've, they've just sat in their boss. I think beyond that, although Colonna, say, are only two points better off, they're probably going to be okay. We are assuming, we should uh, pause for clarification for a second here, assuming always that it's only going to be the bottom four who go down because uh, there's been a bit of discussion about the possibility of possibly relegating more than that at the end of the season for reasons that we'll get into after the break. Um, but I, I reckon those bottom sort of nine are probably the, the ones in most trouble, no? Anyway, the, 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 because of the way of playing or the the, the, sense, the feeling I have, it's strange for Arteta Rafaela to be there because they are of, of the four teams that right now, if of course the tournament finished, uh, will finish now, they will uh, be relegated. Is the one who is playing the best for oh, me. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But I mean, which which underlines yes. how bad they've been previously because they've got 10 points this season. They got nine points in the whole of the, the 2016 transition, which was uh, 16 games, um, and that's really what's what's cost them. They're, they're already, you know, uh, they've got 67 points overall, so over one seventh of their points from the last 2014, 2015 season, 2016. So from the last four campaigns, they've got one seventh of their points have been in this season. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree that at the moment they're in fine form, but they need to, they have to keep that up. Yes. Um, they they've got to keep winning, and they've got to keep winning big if they're going to get out of the relegation zone. Uh, well, not necessarily big; they can win every game one nil, but they have to to win every game, <laughs> essentially. Um, Especially home, home mm-hmm. home matches like the other day was against Colón was strange, was tricky, and, and not a classico, but against another another team from the from the province. Yeah, and, and a huge win for Colón because yes. prior to that game they were on 62 points and slightly below Aldo Civi, in fact, in, in the relegation table. Um, and possibly also would have been below Defensa who were divided by more games and I can't be bothered to look at the maths for that and, and Veles. Um, so that, that shows you what one win can do in this bizarre table. Um, but yeah, the relegation situation is, is not going to get any less controversial or any less... Um, tight as the season goes on and we will explain what I was talking about a minute ago there where I said that we're assuming that it remains the same as it was at the beginning of the season Um, we shall explain what that is and what it means potentially for your ability to watch matches on free legal HD streams in 2017 right after this short break Daniel Mila, who is the president or owner or former owner of America TV, no, not quite sure whether he still owns them now, but he certainly owns a production company, um, and either the current president or the former president of Independiente Rivadavia, he is the gentleman, if you recognise his name, uh, who was standing against Tulio Grondona for AFA president uh, 
four years ago? More or less, yes. Three years ago, five years ago, four years ago, something like that. We mentioned it. Last the time, time there were... Last time there were elections. elections well, the the normal life. elections in terms of the, parties, the number of the, vote, the votes and that. Yes, uh, well, <coughs> normal elections in as much as anything was normal yes. under Grondona's reign as well in that sense. But um, yes, the last person who stood against Grondona while Grondona was alive um, was on the radio on Monday, I think. Uh, oh, Sunday maybe. And well, it might have been yesterday. Sometime in the last few days anyway. You don't need to know the exact day. Uh, and he said that from January onwards, it will cost us here in Argentina... An extra 280 pesos a month to watch the Argentine Primera on top of our cable packages, or I'm hoping that they're going to have it uh, on as well on my satellite package, um, which is, for those of you in the UK, at present just over £14. By January, it'll probably be about £280 if the pound keeps doing what it's doing at the moment. Um, bit of black humour there for you. Um, and um, lots of people are unhappy with this. They're surprised. don't know why they're surprised, given that it's been um, going around now for a week or two that uh, Football Paratodos is going to be officially dead from January onwards. Uh, but essentially, free football for everybody is going to be uh, floating in the water. And at least the matches from the Big Five or from the five most important games of the weekend as, as the uh, broadcasters decide are going to cost a hell of a lot more money to um, to watch for those of us inside Argentina at least, um, if we want to do it legally What do you think of this? Well, it is from nothing to that amount, to 290 pesos, how much is in bonds? 40? 14, 14? 14 Ah, uh, well, it's the number itself in pounds is not a, a lot of money, or doesn't sound a lot. The thing is that he's not been very clear on whether because it, this is going to be on top of the package that we're paying at the moment. Yes. So, in my case, with well, me and my girlfriend dividing the cost between us, is I think I suspect that if it happens, I'm going to be paying the whole amount myself because she's not going to use that. Um, and you know, there are other people whose finances are maybe a little bit tighter and who don't. Um, have to watch the football for their work well, and therefore can't justify the to start, to start with it sounds strange because well of course of course Daniel Villa is the president or the owner or director like you said of a of a private TV channel but as of, as, as far as I know he didn't pre, uh, present an offer for the rights of the football Argentine football okay uh, and apart from that there is uh, something with the government uh, that it's the, they promised that football will be for free until 2019. Sorry to interrupt, but just to clarify, I've now looked him up on Wikipedia. He is the former president of Independiente Rivadavia. Yes, he yes, not anymore. In 2012. So yeah, um, yes, you're quite right. And, and as you say, the government had said that even though they were going to be selling the rights for football, football para todos to private companies. Um, starting in January, that they were going to insist that those private companies continued to show football free to air um, until 2019, because that's when the Football Paratolos contract ran to. Um, it would appear that they've now torn that up, though. I mean, they don't seem to be bothered about it at all now. Yes. Do they? Don't know, but uh, yes, uh, I insist that it sounds strange from someone who is not there in terms of the 
deal of the of the rights for football that he says right now or uh, when there is still three months in order to start with the paid uh, mode of, of uh, watching football mm -hmm. that how much it will cost when there is still not defined where whether there will be uh, Turner which was one company that uh, apparently had meetings with the government in order to to buy the rights uh, and perhaps torneos and competencias is another one uh, still not clear about that so it's for me it's has no sense to say uh, how much it will cost perhaps he knows and that's why he says but uh, as, as far as I know as I said uh, 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 America TV or well Daniel Villa as representing America TV or America TV uh, hasn't uh, uh, met with uh, didn't met with meet with the uh, with the government or with the football para todos directors to uh, buy the rights of the of the of the matches. Uh, but yes, it is for the ones who are uh, happy with the uh, uh, free football. It will be of course a a, a, a big big uh, a knock for their for their wallets. Indeed. Um, which is not to say that it didn't have to start paying for itself at some point for Paradodos, but uh, the way in which it's been doing is, is uh, seems to be in danger of taking us back to the dark days before 2009 when uh, you could only watch about one or two matches a weekend even if you had the premium channels and um, I'm sure nobody wants that anymore. Yes, yeah, you had to watch the, for example, Fox Sports uh, channel uh, watching the the people in the stadium, mm. not the not the match, and the commentator, well, of course, uh, uh, calling calling for a, a goal and people celebrating, and you uh, were, uh, not being able to to watch it, only to to wait for the channels, the the programs at night. Football de Primera, yes, which Primera, yes. a lot of our. Um, of our listeners will be familiar with even internationally because it was the goals package that got uh, shown around the world a few days afterwards yes. um, uh, from Argentine football back in the 2000s. Um, there was something else as well that we were going to discuss, wasn't there? I yes, the, the FIFA... The FIFA. Thank you, of uh, course. I made reference to it at the beginning of the... the very, very, very beginning of the show before the music. Yes. Um, it is the uh, effect that the decision to punish Argentina for Bolivia's mistake is going to have on uh, World Cup qualifying. We've had a question about it, actually. So we may as well sort of segue this into listeners' questions. Um, and the question is from... Where has it gone? Ah, it's from Luis Bessoni, a very regular question asker. Hello, Luis. Who says... Can we give a realistic assessment of chances for a successful Bolivian FA appeal, given the timing of Chile's protest? Um, so what happened was that a gentleman called Nelson Cabrera in 2007 played in a friendly for Paraguay, which is the country that he's from, um, against Venezuela. And later on, he moved to Bolivia. He took Bolivian nationality after a few years living there. Um, and he has been uh, he played in the Copa America Centenario um, in the US just this year and he's now turned out uh, twice in both cases as a late substitution in Bolivia's two most recent World Cup qualifiers which were against I can't remember whether Peru and Chile it was at home to Peru and away to Chile wasn't it yes. um, 
after this uh, became apparent, it, it, so it turns out that first of all he, he's a naturalised Bolivian citizen. So Bolivia naturalises after you've lived in Bolivia for three years. FIFA's rules insist that you have to have lived in the country that you've naturalised for for five years before you can play for them. And apparently he doesn't fit this uh, remit. Um, so Chile in particular, and also Peru, protested. Peru apparently were happy with um, just a fine, but Chile, as is their right to do, uh, because it is what's in the FIFA law book, were insisting that, that the rule gets applied properly, um, which would result in a 3-0 walkover being awarded to, well, to both Peru and Chile in, in the matches that the player took, took part in. The thing is that this is something that, especially considering Bolivia's position prior to this change, in the World Cup qualifying table, which is that they really didn't stand much of a chance of qualifying, it ends up punishing Argentina more than it ends up punishing Bolivia, if you ignore the 12,000 Swiss franc fine uh, that the Bolivian, that the FBF, the Bolivian Football Federation, also has to pay. Um, Because it means that Chile are suddenly above Argentina on goals scored in the World Cup qualifying table. So last time we talked about World Cup qualifying, Argentina were fifth. Um, in the qualifying, uh, the the playoff spot, and now they're not a sixth, and Chile a fifth. Um, there is scope for a Bolivian protest. Bolivia are the only country who can protest this. Argentina can't, and Paraguay can't, who've also been um, punished to a slightly lesser, well, no, to an equal extent. It's just slightly less noticeable because they've not dropped out of a qualification spot. Um, neither neither Argentina nor Paraguay can. Um, appeal against it but Bolivia can appeal against it and from what we've heard or read on Twitter or seen on the television uh, it looks like Bolivia are going to appeal against it on the basis that the first um, initial complaint to FIFA has to be made within 24 hours of the game taking place and apparently Chile's wasn't so one month after something something like that yeah Yeah. I I, um, that was the first time that it appeared on Twitter at least I, I went back last night and was looking through tweets about Chile and, and Peru uh, appealing um, this case and, and the earliest I could find was on something like the 1st of October and the match took place on the 3rd of September. Yes, it looks um, like they said, hey, we discovered this, hey, well, let's protest, okay. And The thing is, it's like, so, first of all, I can't believe that nobody at the Bolivian FA, or Federation, I should say, because um, that's what they're called, so nobody at the, the, at the Bolivian Football Federation, um, Realised this beforehand. I mean, it's got to be somebody's job to check the eligibility. As, as somebody pointed out to me on Twitter, uh, jokingly yesterday, when they call up 93 players, how can you expect them to keep tabs on which of them aren't eligible? You know, which of them have never played for Paraguay before? There are 93 of them. How can you check that? Um, but it is talking slightly more seriously. Really surprising when this happens. Every time, and I know that it happens. You know, it's not the first time it's happened and, in football history. It's not the last. And if but, you uh, call up a lot of foreign players that are nationalised. It's something you can understand, but mm. there are two, which are Smelberg, the Swedish, yeah. and, and Cabrera, I think. Or well, no, there is, I don't think there is any any other player that used to or played before uh, for another national team. No, 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 I can think of. Uh, but apart from that, uh, it is there are some dark points which are but, one. But actually, it, yes, of course. Thank you for, for mentioning Smelberg because that's a good point because they have very recent experience of another player who's played internationally for I don't know whether he played for Sweden but certainly for the under 21s or something was it so they know what the rules are in those terms yes. because they've dealt with them fairly recently 
Um, it's just a very, very strange situation. But it does seem, to answer Luis's question, um, as if Bolivia, in reading the rule book at least, they, they, they appear to have a reasonable um, chance of, of, okay, they won't be allowed to play Cabrera for another couple of years. Uh, they'll still have to pay the fine, but they appear to have a reasonable chance of maybe having the, the walkover results overturned and, and the original match standing. And I think, leaving aside the obvious um, Argentina friendliness that exists in this podcast, um, because although it is a, uh, an, an, an Anglo-British production, let's say, most of the time, um, unless Remy's on here or, or something, in which case it becomes an Anglo-Dutch-British production, uh, Anglo-Dutch-Argentine production. I said, I said Anglo-British, didn't I? I meant, I meant Anglo-Argentine. Um, Mexican the other day. Yes, I'm Mexican the other day as well. So although we're multinational here, we are based in Argentina, and of course we all, uh, those of us who live here, like to see the Argentine national team doing well, and in, in the case of those of us whose job it is to write about football, uh, it, it's good for us to see the Argentine national team doing well. But also I think it just makes a certain degree of common sense that the punishment ends up punishing a different national side altogether due to a mistake that they didn't make. Um, another good example was one that uh, Thomas uh, Mortimer was mentioning on Twitter yesterday after this this happened, which was that for, he, he's a Hungarian. Um, well, I think he's British-Hungarian, in fact, but he writes about Hungarian football. Um, and he was making the point that a few years ago, Hungary qualified for the under-17s um, European Championship and then got kicked out because Russia had fielded an ineligible player in one of their other matches, which led to a team being awarded a 3-0 walkover and leapfrogging Hungary on the last day of qualification um, into the qualification spot. So Hungary's uh, sort of very promising young generation of players never actually ended up getting to a tournament that they had qualified for on merit. And okay, you can say Argentina wouldn't be making such a fuss about this, they wouldn't be crying about it if their team were in a stronger position and if they, you know, and the fact is Argentina are fifth in the table or sixth in the table because something's not going right in the national team. Um, we have discussed this in, in, in previous international break under pots and, and that much is clear. But that doesn't, you know, mean that... Uh, that the rules maybe aren't slightly broken sometimes. Yeah. It's more shit to the shit. It's not that oh now we are won't we won't qualify to the World Cup because of this. No, course. exactly. I mean, if Argentina don't qualify for the World Cup in this case, it, it particularly I think given that it's on goals scored and that there are still eight games to go, Argentina will reasonably only have themselves to blame. But equally, if they do end up, uh, if if this uh, walkover is allowed to stand, and they do end up not qualifying as a result of both Argentina and Chile, you know, winning all of their matches from here on, <clears throat> apart from presumably they've got one match still to play against each other, haven't they, in Buenos Aires? So if that finishes at a draw and they both win all the other games and they finish, you know, fourth and fifth somehow, or it, fifth and it, sixth, anyway, anyway, I think they'll have uh, reasonably um, an axe to grind with FIFA's rules. Anyway. Um, well, it's a, a, a something that has to do more with FIFA that, than with Conmebol, of course. But Conmebol was doing things or starting to, to do things differently or mm. in a different way. Uh, with, for example, the Copa Libertadores changes and that, which were good, which were fresh, like fresh air to the old Conmebol. But there is something, if you are going to be strict with rules, you can't allow uh, a team, this independently of Argentina, because... If it were have uh, to do with Uruguay, with uh, Brazil, or to 
and any other national team will have been the same. If you have 24, 40, 48 hours to protest, uh, and you do it one month later, well, uh, come on, it's okay. Your your protest is is valid, but the times are not valid. Mm. Uh, and apart from that, uh, uh, I think you mentioned that uh, Nelson Cabrera played for Bolivia also in the Copa Centenario, which was before, and nothing was said up, up, at, at that point. Although, in fairness, they lost all of their matches. Uh, <laughs> 2-1 against Panama. I think it was 2-1 against the USA and 3-0 against Argentina. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he had played there already. And, and, as you say, nobody protested because nobody needed to um, to get a result overturned. But you would have thought that somebody at some point might have looked at it and gone, actually, this guy's not allowed to play for you just yet. Um, well, that, no that's did. something that, uh, of course, you think... How many people is working at the Bolivia Federation? Perhaps there are two or three people, mm. and they can't or they aren't able to 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 see these things, of course. Indeed, but yeah, I think we can ex- expect to see Bolivia. Um, no, it's Bolivia. Uh, appeal, and uh, we can um, uh, if if they do appeal, then having looked over the rules myself in FIFA's rulebook yesterday, and obviously I'm not a you know, sports lawyer, um, but having looked over the uh, the statute and, and the application of the statute, I, I would have thought that common sense suggests that they'll have a reasonable right to appeal on the basis that the uh, that the original complaint from Chile and from Peru wasn't within time. We're assuming, of course, uh, that the Peruvian one also wasn't within time, because for all we know, that might have been, and it just never got reported until Chile also complained. And if the Peru one's within the 24 hours then then that FIFA might say that's justification for it so we'll, we'll see um, Liam Kelly who is no relation to me says if can you see River taking Lucas Licht from Gimnasia to solve their left back problems in January we should clarify this by mentioning that Milton Casco got injured during the match against Arsenal on Sunday and is out for six months or so it's a cruciate ligament tear or something at least from the rest of the season won't be available I don't yeah. know and exactly the the months or the number of or, or the time they, he won't be able to play but the rest of the season or the rest of the year until May no the, the year the year the year, the year. Yes. okay so I, I mean I, I think it's about six months in which case you know that, that's going to be comfortably into 2017 um, and I mean at least to me well Sounds like a decent suggestion. What do you think, Andres? Uh, anyone uh, in order to play as a as a left back, uh, not to make Oliveira a kid mm-hmm. to be their, the the main player of, or to be the responsible of of that back, uh, will be okay because it's the only one. It's no other. Then you have to invent like uh, putting Machada as a right back and Moreira in the he the the only time he did it uh, he played well, but. Now, more for example, now Moreira is another player who started brilliantly, and now he's more normal uh, because perhaps rivals have uh, uh, now told how how he is, how he plays, and he also could have uh, be lower in terms of performance. Mm. But uh, yes, that would be the other the other situation possible to to move pieces which aren't uh, the ideal. So if Oliveira perhaps is a good project, but project, but he's still a project, not a, a player to put as a, a as a starting line in the starting lineup as, as a left back. And apart from that, if he 
if River doesn't uh, uh, sign any other player, that will be him and this is it because there is no other uh, left back. Indeed. So um, if if the River is allowed to to hire a player or to sign a player, yes, Licht will be a, a good option. And the, yeah. the the problem is that I don't know whether he can or uh, go to River right now or not. Oh well, Liam's suggesting maybe signing him in January. Um, ah, January. In which case, I think that he's he's yes. going to be one of the options, and obviously they'll have time to to um, get another. Yes. But it, you're right; it might be that that they're allowed to make an emergency signing now on the basis that um, Casco's injury is going to keep yes. him out for the vast majority of the rest of the season. And the AFA do allow for that. I see it more for free players, free free agent yeah, players, not players exactly. that are already. They, they can do it, but it would be quite complicated yes. to um, arrange it, given that he's, as, as Andres says, not a free agent. Liam also asks whether River Estudiantes this weekend is going to have both sets of fans present, given that it's on neutral ground. The answer to that is uh, no, or at least it might have both sets of fans present. I'm not sure, and I've just looked on the River section of the Olay website to check and can't see anything there about it. Uh, but if it does have both sets of fans present, that will be because they've decided to allow away fans for that game. It won't be because it's on neutral ground, uh, because it's still a River home game, basically. Yeah. So um, the explanation for that, in case anybody is less clued in than Liam is, uh, is that it's been moved to... Is it Belles they're playing it up? Yes, yeah. uh, River will be at home. They will play on Saturday uh, at 4pm in Argentine time. And uh, yes, it's River home and uh, with less... Uh, capacity because it's Vélez and River. Oh, it might be Oracan, in fact, judging by this photo on the Ole website. It is. Hang on a second. Let's see. Um, blah, 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 blah. Yes, it's Oracan. Huh. Well, uh, anyway, Vélez and Oracan both are, have less uh, space than, than, than the Monumental, so it uh, will be reasonable for River fans to be there, not uh, with no way. Uh, reasonable in terms of how. River is playing yeah. home. Um, and it is uh, because of a Guns N' Roses gig in the Monumental, in case anyone's wondering why. Um, because they're still really big here, apparently. Um, don't want to cast aspersions on anybody's musical taste. I like 60s and 70s and 50s music. So, um, Also, a reminder from Liam, and thank you very much for pointing this one out, Liam, is that if anybody is going to be watching on streams, as you can do for the rest of the year, at least with a bit of help from a VPN at times. Um, remember that if you're in the UK, you are now three hours ahead of Argentina, not four hours ahead. Um, so River Estudiantes, for instance, at 4pm here on Saturday is at 7pm in the UK, not at 8pm anymore. Um, Tariq Al-Haida... <sighs> Sorry for the side, Tariq. It's just that you, you know my opinions of this from our... Um, Twitter conversations about Balsa from time to time says, is Edgardo Balsa going to call up Martin Palermo or Guillermo Stabile in March? To which the obvious answer is no, they're both retired, and Edgardo Balsa is not as useless a manager as you keep making him out to be. Um, but he finally but I think that that's a bit is. harsh anyway, because in terms of the centre forwards that he's been calling up, in Prato, Alario, both given new chances. Iguain, Aguero, the old guard, fine form for their clubs. But for Prato and Alario, still because of the necessities and the the ways of, of playing, couldn't play as, as natural strikers. 
Prato hace, almost as a, as a mid, midfielder, yeah, Alario as a, yeah. perhaps even a, a, a right back or, 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 or right a midfielder also. So they couldn't show what they really as, as a strikers. Mm. Anyway, uh, now, now Bausa said that he will call up Mauri Cardi. And for me it's late, of course. It's good for him to say that he but will, but he should have been already called him. This is in March, no? Or has he confirmed that he's yes, calling him up? He, he said that, that he have talked that with him no and he will call him call up. up. Is going to happen at some point. Yes, is, at some yeah. point. Um, brilliant. I'm happy about that. Um, and we have some international predictions. Those were all the questions. So here is Mystic. This week it's Mystic Hugh. So here is Mystic Hugh's theme music. Okay, Mystic Hugh is going for the following. Tempele versus Olimpo. He's going for a draw. Quilmes against Godoy Cruz is also a draw. He's going for Estudiantes to get a win away to River in Huracan's stadium. Sarmiento versus Lanús is a draw. Colón to beat Arsenal in Santa Fe. Newells to beat Racing in Avellaneda. San Martín versus Vélez, draw. Banfield versus Atlético de Rafaela, he's going for a Banfield win. He's also going for, in this weekend's Clásico, San Lorenzo to beat Huracán in Flores. He's going for Tiger, as uh, his um, autocorrect has evidently put it on the image that he sent to me, um, versus Belgrano to be a draw. Tacheres to beat Patronato de Paraná. Um, Central V Independiente, he's going for an Independiente win. He's going for Boca to end their 11-game win, uh, winless run away from home with a win away to Gimnasia La Plata. Um, Aldo Civi to beat Defensa Justicia and Atletico Tucumán to beat Union. What do you think of those, Andres? Well, there are some results that I could discuss. Like, for example, Atletico Tucumán, I, for me, would be a draw against Union. Mm-hmm. Then, well, Gimnasia Boca could have uh, some doubts, but uh, the way Gimnasia played against Independiente and the way Boca played against Temple, it could be a chance for Boca to win, even with the, their that, streak. I, I think it's a brave call, just given the way that uh, yeah. the Boca played generally. Um, yes, but bold one, at least. I mean, not, not nonsense necessarily, but... Um, Central Independiente also, it's even though Central is not in the best form, it's in, it's in Rosario, and with Central playing this night, tonight, in, in a couple of hours, no, in a couple of, in a half an hour, sorry, mm. uh, well, not half an hour for listeners, but yes, for us, against Boca in a more match. Also, you have to remember the final of the Copa Argentina of 2015 yeah uh, and then yes uh, Estudiantes to beat River is also a risky uh, preview um, you think I, I will bet more for a draw with River's defence yes I suppose River have got a good attack as well I will bet for a draw there I, I think I'd, River Estudiantes I think I'll go for a draw if Losada is playing in goal for Estudiantes if Andujas back then, then I would agree that Estudiantes are the more likely winners, uh, purely because of Rivers' strength in attack. Yes. Um, 
that's it for this week. San Lorenzo versus Shappi Coins just kicked off while Andres was talking 25 seconds ago. Um, as Andres mentioned, Rosario Central and Boca Juniors meet in Cordoba uh, in 25 minutes' time from right now to uh, fight out the last quarterfinal in the Copa Argentina. Join me after the end of podcast theme music and I will give you the scores of both of those matches. Uh, but for now... The winner, sorry, the winner plays against Belgrano, I think. Yes. And uh, the other, in the other draw, part of the draw... Uh, oh, sorry, it's not the last quarterfinal, it's the third quarterfinal, because San Lorenzo has to play Gimnasia, thank you, um, in, in the, the final quarterfinal still. I think that's that's not been scheduled yet, or at least it hadn't been when we recorded last, year, last week. Um, so yes, thank you for the uh, sort of accidental correction there. Um, but for now, join us uh, again next week. If you're going to watch any RG Ball at the weekend, then enjoy it. Um, and it is thank you and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And thank you and goodbye from me. Thank you and goodbye. The football is over for the evening and uh, the matches went as follows. San Lorenzo and Chapicoins drew 1-1 in a much more open game um, than expected. Chapicoins got their first away goal of this year's Copa Sudamericana. And in the Copa Argentina quarterfinal in Córdoba, Rosario Central won 2-1 with Boca Juniors' goal coming with like a second to go from Dario Benedetto. Um, I can't remember now who Central's goals were scored by, but there were more of them than Boca ones. So well done, Central, and uh, good luck next week to San Lorenzo. <laughs>